would you do me a huge favor right now and just welcome all those who are logged in online with us, live on Facebook, and the World Wide Web. Isn't it an interesting day that we live in, that the book of Revelation is coming alive 30 years ago, it didn't make any sense that the whole world could see the two witnesses slain in the streets. But now we know how it's going to happen. Everybody can watch it on their cell phone. The technology's not all bad. Sometimes technology is a fulfillment of a 2,000-year-old prophecy. We're in the middle of a series called Stay Salty. It would... Uh, it would I would be amiss not to share this story with you as, as we still need help in, in children's ministry, in the infant room, and in the toddler room, and our sprouts room even. You can see Miss um, Sandra, Debbie Kay, or, or Tanya about those rooms. Let me share just a quick story as you're turning to Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5. Two weeks ago, we had Pastor Andre Von Zill here on a Sunday night. And I know that, that when we have an evangelist, we have a special speaker. Everybody wants to be in here with us, and I get it. I used to cry on Wednesday nights when I would hear what was going on in the youth building while I was playing games and entertaining um, some preteens trying to serve in children's ministry. I get it. Sometimes you just serve through the season. And sometimes you, you have to step up and serve in order to get to the place that you want to go to. In order to be used by God in the place that he has for you, he's got to sometimes use you in the place that you don't have for yourself. But thankfully, a couple of weeks ago, we had some um, leaders in the back that were and children while we were out here up front having our spiritual moment and Pastor Andre was prophesying and, and you can watch this live so I'm not sharing anything but he prophesied specifically and, and this young lady had her children here but because of the infant and toddler and sprouts workers she was able to take her children back to these people that were willing to serve and she was able to stand in this altar and receive a prophecy that changed her eternity. Listen, don't you let the enemy rob from you every little thing that you do on a daily basis. Whether it's opening the door in the back, meeting somebody for the very first time, or serving back there in that room where you feel cut off. I'm telling you, you are making an eternal impact by everything that you're willing to serve in. Jesus notices the difference. And you may not always receive that but I can promise you, if you'll keep your hand on the plow, the prophet's coming around the corner to show you the evidence of your labor. You will not be disappointed. Matthew chapter 5. In verse 14, don't worry, it's not there. Verse, oh yeah, there's, look at this. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Okay, stay salty. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. So you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Like, watch this. Where we last week. Matthew chapter Five, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me read that one more time because I want this to just simmer in you. Let your light so shine 
before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Number one this morning, if you're taking notes, we're diving right in. You ready? Number one, the glory of God is subject to the good of man. That's intense. I'm going to prove it before the day is over with. If I just took that one verse that we just had. Let's go back. Verse 16. So let your light shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your father in heaven. Point number one. The fact that God is glorified. Is dependent upon your good works. On this earth. Before other people. The glory of God is subject. To the good. Of man. When God created man in Genesis chapter 2. We see the summary in Genesis 1. We see the details in Genesis 2. And in Genesis 2. The Lord looked at his creation. And he called it. Good. But in Genesis chapter 3, we see something take place that turned the goodness into something that God looks at and needs a plan to redeem. Last week I said we were created to receive everything that God has for us. We were created to receive everything. We were created to walk in the intimacy of the afternoon with our creator God, just like the man and woman of original creation. That is what we were created for, to receive all of the goodness, the favor, the love, the peace, the righteousness, the joy, everything that God has available, we were created to receive. And then we were created to rule. That was point number two last week. We were created to rule in the authority that God made available to us. In the authority that he commanded over us. But before we can do any of those, we have to do something very important. We must repent. Last week I said that your perspective is more powerful than your problem. The way that you perceive your reality is the most important thing about your reality. Because your perception has more power than your problem if you'll repent and change your mind. Your mentality has to be bigger than your moment. Listen, your scene is not your story. A piece is not the puzzle. Don't let a season turn into a soap opera. Just because you're hurt for a moment doesn't mean that you have to let it make your mileage. You don't have to stay in that place. I could go scene after scene after scene after scene from Genesis to Revelation of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. I could go over to David. I could go to Lazarus. My God, he was dead in one scene. But in the next scene, he was alive again and serving the creator, ruling and reigning, receiving everything that God had for him. I'm telling you that your scene is not your story. Come on, join me this morning. The greatest enemy of your potential is not your present. It's your past. 
You cannot let your past affect your potential. We learn from the past. We live in the present. And we look to the future. Because before we can receive or we can rule, we must repent. We must change our mind. I love what Dr. Sam Chan says. He says, where you are is not who you are. Because who you are is not determined by circumstance. It's determined by Jesus. I've got Pastor John on the keyboard this morning, and I posted it on Facebook. I just want to go a little old school this morning. I just want to... I just want to bring a little bit of, it's hard to even say this morning, but the message this morning, the title of the message this morning, it's called Glory to Glory. It's hard to say glory without sounding spiritual. Like when I say glory, it's just, you just can't hardly help when you say the glory of God, it, it, you just want to you just want to do it with a growl. It's just like it's just something stirring on the inside of you that makes you want to have a throwback Sunday. You know, just just one of those old time Pentecostal services. But, but we used to have those, and when I was interviewed, the main question about all of those things that used to take place in these services. Is where are our children? What are you going to do? This was asked to me. What are you going to do that's going to get our kids back in this sanctuary? That's going to reach the next generation? So here's what I have to say. Listen, watch this. You can produce all the show that you want to. But if your experience is not effective... Outside of the sanctuary. Then it was nothing more than a show. This generation is looking for some substance in glory. Not just a moment in glory. But a lifestyle of glory. This morning I want to talk to you about the glory of God. Pastor Joey Rogers helped me with this message. I, I, I texted him this week. I called him, but, and we played phone tag a couple of times. I ended up just sending him a message. If you're looking for somebody to listen to, Pastor Joey Rogers at Pace Assembly, just around Orlando, Florida. Joey Rogers, Pace Assembly. You can YouTube that. You can uh, podcast him. I mean, I'd love for you guys to listen to us some more and share that with other people. But if you need some extra somebody to listen to driving down the road. He took us to a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting with verse 16. And I'm going to try to read through this quickly because I don't want to just get hung up here because it would be very easy to. Verse 16, Paul talking to the church in Corinth. He'd already written the first letter, and for whatever reason, I, I don't know, if you can kind of sense the frustration in the tone of Paul's voice as he begins to write the second letter of Corinthians. It's like the first letter, he's like, okay, guys, look. Here's the will of God. Here's what you do. Here's how you live it. Your body is a temple, the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Come on, you got, you got to know these things. You got to operate the right way. Second Corinthians, he's like, all right, that gummit, that's enough. Just stop it. 
<laughs> you know, he's like that preacher. Enough's enough. You seen that dude on YouTube that like just goes out, goes off on his congregation? He's like pointing at people and calling them out. And I know you in the sound booth and what you guys have been doing in there. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. You need to go check that out. It's kind of what Paul is communicating in 2 Corinthians. It's he's getting a little tired of the same old, same old. So he says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, there's the word that we were talking about last week, the epistrepho. But it doesn't just mean to turn away from sin, the turn right there. It means to turn or to return. Well, what are we returning to? The original creation. We're not just turning away from sin. Because, listen, I really don't recommend that you turn away from sin driving down the road, okay? Lafayette, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, every other billboard, okay? You're going to be going in a circle. You're going to get stuck turning away from sin, okay? You don't just turn away from sin. You return to what you were supposed to be turned to originally, You don't just turn away, you turn back. You turn to the one that made you in his image and likeness. You return to the original creation of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So when you turn, when you turn to Jesus, the veil of ignorance, the veil of confusion, the veil of depression, the veil of anxiety, The veil of fear, the veil of worry, the veil of sickness, the veil of an old perspective that is holding you back, the veil of your past, the veil of your hurt, the veil of your sorrow, that thing is taken away when you turn to Jesus. Verse 17, now the Lord is the, come on, say it with me, spirit. See, that's what you were created for. Without the Spirit, you're just a dirt body with no life. But when you turn to Jesus, the veil is taken away because the Lord is Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Thank you, United States of America. Thank you, Church of America. But the only problem with being in the Spirit of the Lord and walking in His freedom is that there actually comes along with that more responsibility. Why? Because the glory of God is subject to the good of man. So you can't claim liberty and not live it out. Why can't I? Because God subjected His glory to my light. He put His light in me and subjected Himself. Verse 18, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the, somebody say this with me, glory. glory. It sounds, hey, that boy, that's what I'm talking, glory. Hey! Hey, hey, say glory. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be here way too long. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror. Well, that didn't make I'm, When I turn to Jesus, I'm not looking at myself anymore. I don't look in the mirror and think, woe is me. I think, woe is he 
the one who created me in his image and likeness. I don't see, even at 33 years old, these circles that my wife keeps telling me about and asking me if I'm getting enough sleep. I can't cover it with unique. I got to wear it every day. So I grew out a beard so you couldn't see some of the wrinkles down here. It's actually a turkey neck underneath this thing, but it makes me look full whenever I have this. I behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is inside of me. And I'm being transformed into the same image. The one that I was created to be. From glory to glory. So not just glory on the other side. Oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. Brother, if you're just waiting to get to heaven, you're going to have a lot to answer for whenever you get there. Because even Paul understood the principle that when you turn to Jesus, you enter back into something that you were created to be. So you begin to operate in glory, and then you go from glory to glory. Now, it's the two that everybody has a hard time with. Because I love glory. Like, I love Sunday morning and Wednesday night. I love my afternoon nap. But come about Tuesday afternoon, I'm feeling the two. And it's kicking me. I got to get a Red Bull or a Red Line or some kind of something to get me through the two. What if in the midst of the... Hang on, let me keep going. Verse 1 of chapter 4, watch this. Therefore... See, he never stopped his thought. This is a continuing thought. From chapter 3, verse 18, to chapter 4, verse 1. Because we are being transformed in the same image that we were created to be from glory. Come on, right here. From glory to, nobody likes the two, glory. I'm excited about the other side, but I got some two to deal with in between. Therefore, since we have this Ministry. Pause. Everybody loves the glory. But nobody wants the work. Everybody loves the moment. But when the moment doesn't translate into ministry, then something has been missed because we are being transformed into the image that we were created to be from glory. Hallelujah. In my salvation, in my sanctification, on Sunday morning, in my room alone, when nobody else is in the office and I close the door and put a chair in front of it and I just get alone with Jesus, the glory. But I got to come out of that thing into the two and then back into the glory I'm going to belong. Therefore, since we have ministry, You know why many Christians become stagnant in their faith? Because they never share it. Because you're going to get sick of the same old thing all the time if you don't share it and come back and get some more and then give it away and then get some more and give it away. Did you know that there's just as much fulfillment in ministering to somebody else as there is receiving it for yourself? 
How do you make it 13 years in children's ministry when nobody else is back there with you and everybody else is in here and you hear the sound going on and you hear the people praising Jesus and you're back there with seven, six-year-olds screaming at you that they got to go to the bathroom because you understand glory to glory and the ministry that God has called you to. We have received mercy. And because of the glory to the glory and the ministry that we get to operate in, the in-between, we do not lose heart. Because that's what I was created for. Wasn't just hoarding glory. It was ministering that glory. Verse 6, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness. Well, there's that thing again. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, I'm jumping. I know I'm skipping a lot. You can go back and read it for yourself. Did you know that you can read the Bible outside of the sanctuary? It's crazy. I read it to you. That ought to make you mad. Why is he reading that Bible to me? I can read. I don't need you to read for me, bro. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. You know, I just can't do what I used to be able to. Oh, it's going to get worse. I know. Thank you for that wonderful blessing of kindness. Wait till you're 60. (laughs) I know. Thank you for that wonderful road ahead. Please continue to pour out your positivity on me. That's so, so great. You know, one day I'm going to get to be a, a grandfather. One day I, I'm going to get to watch the next generation take this thing further than I was ever able to take it. Because there's glory in this thing. Therefore, because of the glory and the light of God and the ministry, I don't lose heart. Even though my outward man is perishing, yet the inward is being renewed. See, my physical body may not be able to do what it used to be able to do in my early 20s or my late teens, but I'm telling you there's something stirring on the inside of me that's becoming stronger and stronger every day. And my bride and my babies don't need the physical body to be nearly as strong as the spiritual man inside of this physical body. The outward may be perishing, but the inward is getting stronger, being renewed. Not just one time at the altar because I made a decision in a moment but day by day every day every moment with every person I can't stop I won't stop I can't look back I won't look back there's too much ahead of me for me to get stuck in my past because my potential is not subject to where I've been y'all gonna get it here in a minute verse 17 for our light affliction which is but for a Why we get lost in moments? <gasps> it's just a moment. When you're in the moment, listen, and I'm not making, I'm picking, but sometimes the moment is heavy. Sometimes the moment is harmful. Sometimes the moment can even leave a scar. But when you understand glory, that pain, that affliction becomes light. It is but for a moment. And it is working 
for us. How do we get to glory? Thanks for the formula, Paul. We get to glory through light affliction, working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. My experience in the sanctuary is evident by my expression in society. Doesn't matter how many moments you have in here. If there's no ministry coming out of you out there. Then it was just a moment. But sometimes the moment can begin to work in you. Begin to stir some glory up inside of you. That will become evident in an expression outside of the four walls of this building. How important is the glory? Well, according to that passage, he said it twice within 10 verses. The glory is so important that without the glory, we lose heart. But because of the glory, no matter what we face, no matter where we go or what we go through, because of the glory to the glory, we don't have to lose heart. How important is the glory? The glory is so important that Moses, when he asked to see the glory of God, God said, no, you cannot see my glory in its fullness. You can't handle it. It'll kill you. So the Lord said, I'll pass by you. I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. Praise the Lord for the cleft of the rock. I'm thankful for the cleft of the rock, the place where God hides me and protects me from the things that are going to destroy me. But even hiding In the cleft of the rock, the Bible says the Lord passed by him and Moses saw the back of him and his face became like a light. How important is the glory? In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord filled the house so much that the priests were no longer able to minister. How about a New Testament revelation of that? The glory of God comes in this room so thick and so authentic that we can no longer just do anything but just marvel in His glory. Why do we wait till Sunday morning for what we could have on Tuesday night? What if you just get alone in your room, close the door, and get alone on the side of your bed, on your knees before the one that created all things, and you let the glory of the Lord come in and minister to you in that moment so that it affects you for the rest of the days of that week until we can all come back together and celebrate what God was doing Monday through Saturday, not waiting until Sunday for Him to show up and move on our behalf because He's already done all that He's going to do. It's our turn now to operate in the minister down. I'm never going to finish. Habakkuk chapter 2. The glory filled the waters so much that it was full like the sea. In Genesis 1, we understand God said, let there be light. But we know that it wasn't until the fourth day that God created the sun and the moon. So what was the light on the first day? The light on the first day was God's revelation of his glory upon that which was formless and void and dark hovered over the surface. Isaiah chapter 6. The Hebrews called that light 
Shekinah. It's the Shekinah glory of God. Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah said, I saw the Lord seated on the throne and the train of his robe. filled the temple and what happened Isaiah listened to the cherubim and the seraphim he listened to all of heaven begin to proclaim holy 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 is the Lord the whole earth is full of his glory so when he recognized the glory of God that the train of, the, the train of his robe filled the temple, Isaiah stopped pointing the finger at everybody else and realized his own insignificance before the glory of God. And he said, woe is me, for I am unclean. But watch this. He didn't stop there in his brokenness and in his repentance. He then went on to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Because the glory has an effect on you that's bigger than what you would have been able to accomplish without it. Paul was so in touch with the glory that he said, God forbid I should glory in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. His relationship with the glory of God was so intimate that Paul said, I glorify in my sufferings. Point number two, his presence and his glory work together, but they are not the same. I'll give you an example. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created all things. Verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness hovered over the surface. Darkness was over the surface, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. Presence but no glory. And God said, let there be light. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the atmosphere, but the Spirit of the Lord wasn't in the atmosphere. And because He wasn't in the atmosphere, the atmosphere was still formless and void. It was ineffective and inefficient. The Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. There had to be a, a shuffling of the waters as the Spirit hovered. Can you see it? Almost like a craft that would be floating on top of the water with jet propulsion just stirring the waters. And yet the waters were still formless and void. And darkness still hovered. But God said, let there be light. And there was light. The glory was revealed at the command of God. That's why Psalm chapter 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament, the thing that the waters, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over, the thing that divides heaven from earth, the atmosphere around his creation. The heavens declare the glory and the firmament shows his handiwork. Did you know that everything was created in the image and for the glory of God? 
It was created to give glory to the Father. It was created to praise the Lord. That's why the astronomers took a telescope and they discovered a new star. And not too long after discovering the new star, they took a microphone and they put it up in a place where they could begin to hear what they thought were sounds. And the closer that they got the microphone to this new star, the more that they realized this star's making noise. The heavens declare his glory. The star doesn't just shine its light. It makes a sound that brings glory to the Father. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Oh. Being understood by the things that are made. Is you're telling me the tree is waving at Jesus? You tell me that the eagle is soaring for God? The star makes a sound and joins with the angels in the glory of the heavens. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. See, there is no excuse for not recognizing the glory of God. And it's not just that Pentecostal spitting, rolling, spinning, jumping, waving, shouting, screaming, dancing, praising. It's not just that. It's the everyday glory that is just as important as the Sunday glory. So they are without excuse. Watch this, verse 21. Because although they knew God... They did not glorify him as God. See, because his presence and his glory work together, but they're not the same. How could a demon in hell believe in Jesus and yet it have no effect? Because his presence and his glory work together. They knew God, but they did not glory him as God nor were they thankful but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened they knew his presence but there was no glory in them from them the only way to reveal God's glory is to be in the atmosphere that you were created for. All of creation gives God glory. The stars, the sun, and the moon. They reveal the glory of God in the sky. If the star removes itself from the sky, it's no longer a star. It's a meteor. It falls to the face of the earth and it leaves an imprint, but it is no longer doing what it was created to do. The birds reveal the glory of God in the air. Listen, well, what about chickens and turkeys? That's why we just eat those. <laughs> hey, I want to thank you for chicken. <laughs> the problem is, is that some Christians 
spend all their time on the ground with all the chickens and the turkeys. They never wait on the Lord and renew their strength and rise up on wings like eagles. Because the Christian, like the eagle, was not meant to stand alone, but to soar in the presence of the one that created him. The fish reveal his glory in the water. You take the fish out of the water, it can't breathe. It will suffocate and it will die. Watch this. Man was created in Eden. Eden is not a place. Eden literally translated means presence. Man was created in the presence. It wasn't a place. It was an atmosphere. It was the presence of the Lord that man was created in. But when man was created, he wasn't just alive. He was formed from the dust. Now watch this. This is just kind of fun. Hang with me for a second. I got time. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible uses this word. It's, it's formed like, like, like a block. Man was formed. Formed. Man. Woman. The Bible uses a different word. It doesn't just mean formed. It means fashioned. The woman was fashioned. Now listen, this isn't a shot at anybody that really struggles with this, but I just really can't understand why you would want over fashioned. Fashioned. The atmosphere of his presence. But I want you to notice that neither the man in his formed or the woman in her fashioned was alive until glory entered. In his presence created, but made alive by his glory entering. So if you take man out of the atmosphere that he was created for, if you take woman out of the atmosphere, if you take creation out of the place that it was created to be in, that it no longer operates in the capacity that it was created for. So I'm telling you, we don't need more services, although we'll add some as this room continues to fill up. We don't need more Sundays. We don't need more revivals. We don't need more evangelists. We don't need more prophets. We need more people coming alive in the name of Jesus Christ, getting back in the presence that they were created in and operating in the glory that brought them life and life abundantly. Because when you pull man out of the presence of God, man begins to die. Now, I'm not one that would be considered a hippie. I'm an 80s baby. I believe I'm a generation Xer. Whatever that means. I am not a millennial. I don't even care if my age fits that. I do not fall into that category. I am an old soul. I don't require some of the things. But I do require some of the things. I don't hug many trees. Um, I'm not an activist for very many animals. 
In fact, if you see me hugging a tree, it's probably to climb it. And pray to the Lord that the right animal walks through before dark. (laughs) I will shoot a tree to smithereens just to get one squirrel down. I really will. I will waste $10 worth of shells just to get that squirrel out of that tree. So I'm saying that to say that I'm really not, I'm really not, uh, a naturalist in, in all the stuff. I'm not making fun of you. If you are, I'm just making fun of myself for not being any more, I don't know, than I am. But I do like, do you have that? You have your bottle? I do like these, these oils. I, there's one that I really like, and it's not this one. It's okay. It's all right. I got time. There's one that I really like. I'm going to let her find that. It's, it's, it's called like Dijai or something. Dijai's. Yeah. That. And, and you put it on when you eat too much Cajun food. And it, it's supposed to help it not talk to you as loudly at 2 a.m. So I use that one as often as necessary. I love that one. There's another one. We've actually got it right here. I just wanted to, <clears throat> in this, I haven't like, I haven't gone, gone crazy this morning. I, I know that this is not the spirit of the Lord, okay? It's just a, it's just a visual, okay? It's just an illustration. Did you find it? Oh, praise the Lord. Watch this. I, I love this. Um, this is called Thieves. And I just, I like this one because I like the story and, and Pastor Joey shared it and it impacted me. I've never forgotten it. I, I like this stuff. It's called chrome. I can't even, Azaro. <laughs> you know, like you spray this on and your wife comes down the hallway. Watch this. This is just the container. What's inside of the container was not made for the container. The contents are what's important, not the container. Not the outward, but the inward. And that which is on the inside was not made for the outer shell. It was made for her favorite, and I put it on all the time. She's like, do you have cologne on? No. You got in the bed. Why do you have cologne on? I don't know. Just It's a king-size bed. It's a long ways away. Maybe I was like. I like this Thebes because there's a cool story that goes along, and i got to wrap this up. But during the Black Plague, there's one of the stories that goes along with, with this oil, this whatever mixture of oils as there was these guys during the black plague some of our history teachers can help me with this but they 
they came up with, they found this oil. And you see oil all throughout Scripture. You see the anointing oil. You see, you see it in the Old Testament. You see it as, as, as Joseph was in the pit. There was some that came by. And, and those people carried spices and oils. And the oils were respected by the people, even the people of God. The, the priests would anoint themselves with oil before they went into the Holy of Holies. So there is, there's something significant to oils. There really is. It's, it's biblical. In James chapter 5, it's anoint the sick with oil. Pray for them. And that's why we do that, because it's in the Bible. It's not because we're weird. I really don't even like it most of the time. But there's a lot of things in Scripture that I don't like to do that it tells me to do, and I just do it anyways. Hey, that's a new sermon. Thieves. These guys would put this oil on, and they would go into the houses of the people who had died from the Black Plague. And they would steal all their stuff. So the powers that be found out about these guys, and they weren't getting sick. They weren't dying. And so they were trying to figure out what, what, what are you doing to, to keep from death? They were taking this oil and they were covering themselves in it. And they wouldn't get infected by the atmosphere around them. And it's not just for this oil, although it really smells good. It smells a little bit with the top on. But watch, when you take the lid off, it becomes way more potent. Look, I don't even, don't stick your nose on it. You'll be stuck with it all day. You smell that? It, it becomes more potent. It becomes more powerful. Because what's inside of this container, the contents in this container, is not just given to the container for the container. It's given... To affect everybody around the container. But in order to be effective the way that we're supposed to be effective, we have to take the lid off or we have to be willing to pour ourselves out. Like Paul said, I, I pour myself out like a drink offering. Why? Because I know that I received glory and I'm in the two and I'm going back to glory. But I don't want to take any of the glory that I received over here and just hoard it over myself. I want to spend time in the in-between pouring myself out like a drink offering. Now this is called a diffuser and it's just an illustration, but it actually, it just makes me feel better. I just like sniffing stuff. I mean, it's like, I mean, there's people sniffing enough stuff in the world today. We may as well put something good in the atmosphere. But when the atmosphere is conducive and the atmosphere is right. There's sometimes that we need to go in and we need to let the Spirit of the Lord diffuse us of all the junk that we've had to walk through that week. We need to let Him cleanse us and get the wrong out of us and begin to pour that glory back into of us so that we can take the lid off of our lives, go outside of the sanctuary and begin to pour it out on somebody else. Because when the atmosphere is conducive and the tone is set, when you get back in the presence, he begins to pour out his glory again. And the glory affects your image. The glory affects your perspective. The glory affects your influence. And then the culture that you're surrounded by doesn't have nearly the impact on you that you 
have on it because the glory of God that was placed on the inside of you when he created you in his image and in his likeness in Genesis chapter 1 begins to come alive in 2017 in your community, at your office, around your family. And the glory is not just about raising the dead and healing the sick. When a baby's born, that's the glory of God. When you pray for somebody in society, that's the glory of God. When you share your testimony, that's the glory of God. When you give a cup of water to the least of these, that's the glory of God. If the ministry represents the glory, then we need more people operating in the glory. We need more people accomplishing the ministry. And we will have more people pursuing His presence because they want what you have because you're not keeping it to yourself. It's being shared upon all people all the time. It's the glory that raised Lazarus from the dead. It's the glory that brought Joseph from the pit to the palace. It's the glory that helped Peter be the one that would deny Christ and then stand in the pulpit and lead 3,000 people. The potential inside of you is not determined by the past, but by the pursuit that you have of the glory of the one that created you. Somebody, I wish somebody would just stand all over the sanctuary this morning. I wanted to say prayer for the end, but we already had prayer. So what you're going to have to do this morning is you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to commit. Do I want the glory of God? Do I want it to be more than just an experience? Do I want it to be evident in my expression? The glory of God, staying salty, being the light, revealing, revealing. To everybody that he puts around me. If I put this on, you're not going to smell what was on me any longer. You're going to begin to sense something different about this person. There's something significant about that individual. Listen, would you bow your head and close your eyes right where you are? What is the glory of God? It's supposed to be us. Jesus said to the sister of the dead man Lazarus, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Is there anybody in here today that has never received the glory of the original creation who has never given their life back to God who's never repented and who needs to and just right where you are you would say pastor I'm going to have the whole congregation pray but pastor I, I want I want to be included in this prayer I want you to know I want the Lord to know and most of all I'm just going to confess to myself that that's me Right where you are, would you just lift your hand? That's me. I need to be in that prayer. I see you, sweetheart. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. I see you. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Is there anybody in the room that maybe you gave your life to Jesus at one time? You made a decision, but the distance 
from that decision seems further than you can remember. You had a great moment, but it hasn't been evident in a ministry that you need to recommit today, that you need to return to Jesus today, recommit your life to him. Is there anybody that would fit into that category? Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Praise God. I see you, bro. Thank you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you, man. I see you. Thank you. Come on, church. Would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, forgive us for where we fall short of your glory. Help us to receive you today. Make us like you. Take our lives. Make it yours. Use us to build your kingdom and be examples of your glory. I will follow you every day in Jesus' name. Listen, we're going to have more opportunities for you to come back and experience the glory in the atmosphere. Experience the presence But if the only time that you're ever in his presence is when you're in the sanctuary, you're going to starve in the two. Glory to glory. This afternoon, we're going to have an evangelism training. I'm going to teach and learn with you. We're going to talk about sharing our faith, what that looks like, what it means. We're going to ask questions. We're going to dive in. We're going to start out in the student center. If we have too many, we'll come in here. If we don't, then we'll grow from there. Go and begin to share what you are receiving so that you don't grow stagnant. 4.30 this afternoon. Thank you, sweetheart. Look. See, she was fashioned. And then that's why the first time I saw her, I said, Whoa, man! And she was named... Just like Eve. Hey, let's pray and get out of here today. Amen. Jesus, I love you. I pray that you would bless us and keep us and that your face would shine upon us. That your power in our lives would be found in the pursuit of your presence. Lord, I pray that we would make this more than just a Sunday morning experience. I pray that your countenance would rise upon us And we would receive your peace, your righteousness, and your joy. And that we would begin to be convicted and burdened, encouraged and motivated to share your glory. God, may we receive everything that you have for us. May we rule in the authority that you've given us. May we repent and change our mind when we don't do it the right way. But God, may we reveal your glory. And be the light that you placed inside of us. The glory of your presence. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.